podcast with everything paranormal it's the two 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 paranormal podcast special episode it is 300 300 I shows was, ladies and gentlemen real applause clap 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 yeah. clap, 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 clap here clap. i got that right oh, here Joe, where's Joe, it at oh I, there it is 300th <laughs> episode joe that's 300 weeks yes of podcasting 300 weeks, probably at 3,000 hours of editing. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Very proud of you. You've done a great job for these last 300 weeks in a row. Yeah. Listen, everybody, we're in a relationship, basically, with our listeners. Yeah. Uh, this is a long-term relationship. It is. This and long a, distance. Yes. Long distance. <laughs> but we're still in love. <laughs> we love you guys. No, thank you, guys. Really, we haven't been able to do this without you guys and, and your support and uh, always listening and sharing the show and we just have a great show for you today um, shout out to everyone over in britain yes yes all of our lovely people over on the what do they call it? across the pond yeah and anybody who's in a swamp too yeah right? the swamp people <laughs> um but yeah we have a really special show uh shared or to share with you today our 300th show 300 300 we should have a cake or something, Joe. I know. But we're on diet, so we can't. <laughs> I'm doing good, though. I, I made a diet chart of good, my weight, and I good. weigh myself every day. Yeah. It's starting to go down. I know it's going to go down and then come back up, but generally it's going to trend towards going right. down. And mm-hmm. I got my uh, little sign that I can't find now. I have it right here. Yeah. It says, no excuses. And I spelled it wrong, of course. That's all right. <laughs> as long as I know what it says. <laughs> right, that's all exactly. <laughs> Um, Joe has something very special to share with everybody. Do I? We went to a very awesome event. It's at my favorite location, one of my favorite locations. That We did a ghost hunt at the Collinwood Arts Center here in yeah. Toledo. So we are very excited because we got to listen to a couple speakers who were special guests. And you may recognize the name of the building from... The show, The Ghost Hunters, they just did a whole episode on the Collingwood Arts Center. I did get to watch a little bit of it, and it was pretty spot on. I, I was afraid that they might embellish and make stuff up, but so far, I haven't seen make up anything. And I yeah. talked to a few people that saw the episode during our investigation, and they said that they did an awesome job. They didn't yeah. embellish. They didn't, you know. Well, that place has real activity. It does. And um, we got to go and go hunt, and we were with um, Christina Rake and Scotty Rourke, um, psychic medium and demonologist. Mm -hmm. So it was really interesting because they gave a little presentation before the ghost hunt, and I really wanted to talk to uh, Christina, but there were so many people around her that um, weren't able to... um, get some one-on-one time but i did get her card so hopefully we'll have her on the show she's really interesting um has a great background um with uh working in that realm of exorcism and, and demonology mm-hmm. so we'll, hopefully we can have her on the show and soon. i should know this but did we have scotty on our show 
I cannot remember. He came up to us and he talked to us. Yeah. And well, we've seen him at a million every conference that we've yeah. gone to. He's been there. I'm not sure if we've ever had him on the show. I don't know. It's 300 shows, <laughs> people. We we can't remember all our guests. <laughs> we've probably had. But we love them all. Yeah, because <laughs> there's been episodes when we go to the conventions where we have two or three yeah, people. Quick little interviews. Mm-hmm. So we've had a lot. So Joe, what yes. was your most interesting thing that happened at our ghost hunt at Collingwood Arts Center, Toledo, Ohio? I didn't have much happen. Um, but we did the SS method and I really enjoy that. That was good. And was when so I was under, I guess you guys said that I was hitting some, you know, points, but I don't know. Yeah. So I had something really interesting happen. Um, there was a guy on the ghost hunt who we were in the basement. So it was just, oops, I hit the mic again. <laughs> Blooper reel. Um, <laughs> um, it was just Joe, myself and this guy. And we were in this area of the basement that we talk about all the time. And you guys can go back and listen to the other shows because we talk about it all the time. But the guy, Joe was off in the laundry room, which was on the other side of the basement. I was outside of the room, but maybe, what, about 10 yards back? Okay. It was right where the, the wall comes in and then you turn. and Oh, okay, okay. yeah. About 10 yards. 10 yards. And I'm, I'm sitting there and the guy's in the room and he starts to say a prayer. Which is, that was really different, but he was mm-hmm. doing some, I don't know what he was well, trying was, to invoke. It but used to be a convent, so yeah, he so did he mention was, to me that he's like, it used to be a convent, so I'm going to try this. I'm like, okay. So I'm standing there, and I didn't have I didn't have any equipment on me. We had equipment, but I just, at that mm-hmm. particular time, didn't have any equipment. And I look, and a white ball of light comes out of the room. Now it's about two and a half to three feet off the floor makes a 90 degree turn and comes shooting at me i saw it with my own eyes Mm -hmm. i saw it i saw it i saw it it was so weird because i thought okay if it's like dust or something well i thought wait a minute you don't see that with your naked eye you don't see dust orbs with your naked eye. it made a 90 degree turn it shot out of there it was the weirdest <laughs> thing i've ever seen not the weirdest thing i've ever seen at collingwood yeah but one of the weirdest things i'm seen. telling you collingwood cool. art center yeah is so active all the time and uh, like the night that i was sitting watching the stage there were blue and red balls just flying across the stage i don't know if you saw that but when you and i and the other dude was in that room in that room mm-hmm you know how we were like looking out into the basement? Yeah. Now there was one part where there must have been some boards or something. So you could see like the dark board, the light, the dark board, the light, and something kept walking and blocking the light out. That's That happens all the time down there. It was the weird. I was like, there's shit. Now there was nobody in the basement. No, we Because you can ones. see them coming down the steps mm-hmm. or hear them. There was shadow figures all over that base. <laughs> That's known for that. Right along yeah. that wall, yeah. outside that room, right along that wall, you see shadow figures all the time. Yeah. And they're they're tall and short. Short. We saw a dog figure one time. I mean, it's just it just morphs its shape. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's the same one, but there's been multiple times yeah. that we've seen little floaty, dark, shadowy, cloudy type of things <laughs> going across the floor. I'm like, I don't know about this. I got to get out of here. 
did have kind of a creepy feeling upstairs. Okay, remember when you guys were on the stage? We were in this big auditorium. So it has mm-hmm. this big, you know, auditorium stage. I was up in the um, balcony okay. by myself. You guys were down the stage. And, you know, normally I can walk around that place. It's whatever. But I just had the most creepiest feeling. And I don't know if there was, maybe because there was somebody around, but there was nobody around. Yeah. Like, I didn't see any of the other ghost hunters. I just felt, I, I can't explain it, like, creeped out. There I was, guess. <laughs> there was a, a technical yeah. term, creeped out. <laughs> There was a spot in there, and I can't remember if it was in the laundry room or up in the the cells where the nuns used to live. Mm-hmm. I got the creepiest feeling also. Yeah. I think it was up there. I think so. I think it was up in the cells. And then another weird thing that happened. So this is, um, it was funny because our friend Shelly and I, we sat at the table with her. And before it started, we were talking about that we both have smelled peanut butter there. Yeah. Now we smell phantom smells of coffee and peanut butter and there's no food in there and there's no, you know, coffee mm-hmm. in the places that we ghost hunt. Maybe somebody would have one, you know, in the office area or something. But that, but when Scotty was up giving his presentation, I had this, whoop. <laughs> I had the strongest, <laughs> I can't even. Okay. So I had the strongest scent of peanuts or peanut yeah. butter. Mm-hmm. Like just went right up my nose and I turned to Shelly and I said, peanut butter. And she's like, I smell it too. Yeah. But it was so weird because I don't know, we were talking about it and then all of a sudden we smelled it. And just, that's one of the things If you guys don't know, the the nuns, when it was a convent would have peanut butter toast for breakfast and they would take their toast and they would um, go on stage the stage and drink their coffee and eat their peanut butter. Yeah. I mean, like the, the stage was actually like their lunchroom. Yeah. But this was weird because that was down in the basement, Mm -hmm. but the kitchen was in the basement. I was going to ask you a long time ago. Okay. Where was the kitchen at? Okay. So, you know, when you go through that long hall where they Mm -hmm. have the, um, like props and stuff, but they have those boards up and then you go dividers. Yeah. So you go into that room that you, before you go out to where the elevator is. Okay. That was the kitchen. Hmm. And I noticed, too, that you turned to Shelly and said that. I think that's right when Scotty was talking about how certain people can have senses during an investigation, mm-hmm. but other people can't. Yeah. And then you guys were like, oh. And I thought you meant when you did that, I thought you were just saying, yeah, he's right. That's what it. But you mm-hmm. actually smelled it. Yeah. I was just it just wafted. Right, and it was weird, but it was very cool. So one other thing that happened, um, then we can get on with the regular show. (laughs) (laughs) Joe and I were upstairs in the nun's quarters. So basically there's like these long rows of like little dormitory type rooms. There's no bathroom in them. It's just a, just a empty room, probably size of a it's almost the size of a real cell. They call it the cells. So you're looking at rooms that are probably 10 by 8, maybe? 10 by 8, yeah. Okay. So Joe and I were sitting in one, and we were just trying to just see if we felt anything, because a lot of people get feelings and a lot of EVPs in those particular rooms. There was two ladies who were two or three cells down from us, and they were doing an EVP session. And I went out in the hall because I was just feeling like, okay, I want to feel what's going on. And they started talking about a nun I believe it was a nun. Yeah, it was because they called her Sister Mary, who 
died in a fire and I wasn't sure what that huh. was about but when they said that they kept um, saying her name they're like said something like um, if you're here come talk to us or something and I looked down and a black shadow figure came out of that room it came out it was very low to the ground so it was only like maybe six inches high and it was about the size of a dinner plate and it came out of the room and went down the hall. Oh, wow. And I saw it and I was like. <laughs> you want to yell, but they're doing their EVP right, session. Right. And so afterwards, uh, when they came out, I said, I just wanted to tell you guys, when you mentioned the sister's name, this black shadow came out and sh- they were like, we saw, we saw something. Oh. Um, so it was, they were like, we were just validating because we were feeling something. And then we felt like we saw something go out of the room. And I was like, you did. I saw it. And of course, I didn't have my phone or my camera running. You know, I, I didn't, didn't. Well, I just had my cell phone. I didn't have a lot of equipment that night either. I just wanted to go and experience stuff. Yeah. Sometimes it's not about taking evidence. It's mm-hmm. just about experiencing yeah. it, which was great because the Collingwood, you always get those um, great experiences there. It's a big building. Giant. We were actually going into places I've never been in. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to get up to the apartment. There's an apartment. It'd be stage left, way at the top of the building, mm-hmm. where the caretaker used to live that he actually killed himself up yeah. there. And it's very active. every time I've ever been in that apartment, something happened. I remember the first time I took Sarah from Haunted Toledo up there. Mm-hmm. It was at our convention that we spoke at. And... I took her and a bunch of people up there and all of us got the fun house effect where the floor felt like it was just waving. Yeah. I, but that's what you get up there. Yeah. It's so bizarre. It's so cool. Such a great place. You guys yeah. got to go there. But anyway, for this show, we're going to talk about the Appalachian Mountain Witches. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, we're going to throw in some fun bloopers from the <laughs> the year oh my god some from last year so of course because you know, i mean we're only into the fourth month that, yeah but so we're going to talk about the appalachian mountain witches now there's a few different kinds of mountain witches you've got the evil witches the witch doctors the medicine witches and then water witches and those are the four main ones we're going to talk about today the evil witches are exactly what they sound like. They they conduct spells. They put spells on people. They will put spells on livestock, on land. Really? And there's a, there's a saying which the witch doctors will take care of, but there's times when the people's cows will stop producing milk and they feel that a evil witch has put a spell on that cow or on a farm that has a lot of bad things happen to it. Mm-hmm. Like the crops are bad or they get locusts or mm-hmm. stuff like that. So the evil witches are the ones that are the ones that do the dark arts and is said to collaborate with the devil. Oh my gosh. Let's not cross their path. <laughs> <laughs> so the witch doctors, what do they do? The witch doctors are the ones that go in and fix the spells. And what they actually do is they'll reverse the spells onto the evil witches. Now, the thing is, they don't know who put the spells on the family or the farm or the cattle or whatever. Mm-hmm. So they just do, like, I don't want to say random, but they won't put it towards a specific person because they don't know. So they put it, like, out to the universe? Yeah. Oh, okay. 
Now, there is cases where they did find out who the people were that put spells on the family or that. And the thing about the Appalachians is they have their own way of dealing with things. So they have their own Appalachian justice Mm -hmm. that they take care of these people. So the thing is, lots of times they don't know who did it, though. And they'll just put, you know, the, the, the witch doctors will fix the spells put on the people and livestock you know of the mountains that's interesting it's kind of like its own little universe it is and the thing is the Appalachians have people from all over the world that have come there Mm -hmm. especially like witches from the other like what is it Europe and stuff like that Mm -hmm. that have come over like Dutch and German to get away from the persecution of people because you got to remember during this time when they were migrating over to the United States and going into the Appalachians was when they were killing witches Mm -hmm. in Britain and England and all that and even in the United States. So if you were ever accused of being a witch, something would happen to you. But in the Appalachians, they didn't really have to worry about that. Yeah, it's so vast. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you could live 50 miles from somebody and not see anybody. That's the thing. The freedom to practice the way you want to practice. And they did. And very diverse, you know, plants and and foliage and things to use Mm -hmm. to create medicines or spells or. Yeah. And that's where we want to talk about the medicine witches. And that's this is where we're going to talk a lot about is the medicine witches because. These are the witches that healed people using the elements such as the earth, herbs, plants, and flowers. Peaches and herbs? Yeah. (laughs) From Toledo. (laughs) (laughs) But just like the Native Americans, just like the witches from even farther back times, or even the people that we don't really call them witches now, but there is a sect in witchcraft now that still uses herbs and all that and now the thing is you can go to pharmacies like my doctor that i had he had a pharmacy which was all herbs spices all that kind of stuff natural medicines that's so cool holistic healing yeah i mean why this has cured us for hundreds of thousands of years so like why wouldn't we like continue to do that you know sickness was a common thing throughout the Appalachian Mountains back then, and it really still does. But yeah. the residents were very poor. They usually worked from sunup to sundown, so their health wasn't that great. Uh, there was no doctors or medical facilities for miles. They would have to learn to make medicines from the earth. There were several names for these witches, okay, such as granny witches, medicine women, herb people, as in herb, not herb. <laughs> Herb, herb, herb. Yeah. Um, they were the people that you go to when you were sick or injured or really anything. They even had, I've read during the investigation here that if someone had a nosebleed, there was a verse from the Bible that they would say to stop okay. the nosebleed. Huh, that's, that's so interesting. Now, I want to skip ahead a little bit, but we'll go back to these other the, the medicine witches. Mm-hmm. But the last one that we want to talk about is the water witches. And mm-hmm. that's basically just people that find water 
using dowsing rods or oh, dowsers. so interesting. Yeah. Yes, which you can get from us. Yes. We make our own. We have our own. And they're so much, so fun to use. Mm-hmm. And you can use them in any investigation. We've um, seen people use them to find gravestones. I do. Um, oil, minerals, mm-hmm. gold, and then, of course, the water. And that's the thing. They called them water witches because they found... The water, because that was one of the bad things about the Appalachians, is you don't know where the water wells are mm-hmm. or the water sources, so they can put their wells in. Yeah. And these dowsers, who they call water witches, would actually find the water for their wells. I saw an article when we were doing research for this. There are still people using this. So, like, mm-hmm. um, out in Texas, and um, when they're putting in, like, a new house or development, they'll use these their dowsing rods to yeah. find the water source, mm-hmm. which I think is really interesting. And um, still to this day, you know, we've seen gas companies. Um, the guys, they'll bring out their fancy equipment, but they'll also bring out their dowsing rods. And the dowsing rods are more accurate yeah. than the equipment, That's the true. electronic equipment, which is so amazing. So a common thing to do in the Appalachians and the states around Um, was to decorate your barns with symbolic symbols of what they practice. And it's still going on today. Yeah. Um, You see that a lot. We we were just driving through Pennsylvania a few weeks ago, and you can see that a lot on the barns. They look like flowers, but they're not flowers. They're just the shapes. Mm -hmm. Or there's um, intricate triangle-looking shapes and stuff. And that comes really from the Dutch. The Dutch were noted for that. And... What it is is they would put these symbols on the barn so that it warts off the evil spirits and also creates good luck for the barn. I wonder if that's why you put a horseshoe above your yeah. door thing. I've yeah. got to look into that because I didn't know to put it upwards. Yeah, you put it up so oh. it doesn't drain out. Oh, that's gotcha. What they say. Okay, all right. Oh, that's kind of cool. But some of the history, like I said, is a lot of the Dutch and German would um, – escape persecution like i was saying of being accused to be witches and they brought a lot of their practices with them to the united states and brought them into the appalachians and you know kept using their regular practices so in the old days hospitals were just too far and full of suspicion for some of the people there when accidents or illnesses occurred the local people relied on the granny witches for their medicine work. Now, these traditional folk healers were very skilled in herbalism, home remedies, spells, and energy work. Now, granny magic healed sickness. They birthed babies. They removed curses. um, They predicted the weather. Like the Farmer's Almanac probably came out of that um, practice. In some of the far reaches of Appalachia, Granny witches were often the sole source of um, medical care and spiritual guidance. Now, the practices were simple, inventive, and then always grounded in the natural world, which is so interesting because, like, this is the whole kind of resurgence of this, yeah, I think, in this time. And, you is. know, things come in waves, but right now I think we're really into this natural healing, mm-hmm. energy work. It goes hand in hand, yeah. right? Now, Granny witchcraft has its roots in ancient Scots-Irish traditions that were brought over to the Appalachians as um, early as the 16th century. Now, immigrants built new lives, 
And these old ways quickly, you know, mutated into something uniquely Appalachian. Um, Native American traditions started to get blended in with the old world beliefs to create a concoction of spiritual and medicinal cures. You know, for centuries, granny witches studied patterns in the land and the property and of the plants that surrounded those. So they harnessed the powers of their natural and supernatural resources to guide their communities. Now, an inherently mysterious oral tradition, uh, grannies rarely taught outside of the immediate family. So this is something they held close to home. Um, They didn't teach it to outsiders. They didn't like outsiders. So, you know, much of the knowledge died as these granny witches passed on and it's just creates a broken history of their of their practices so as younger or yeah younger generations come in it's like we forget all of that you know I I you know even our generation right now kids younger than us like our great nieces and nephews don't even know what a rotary phone right (laughs) they wouldn't know what plant to go outside they probably wouldn't know the difference between poison ivy and, and, you know, a blade of grass. (laughs) (laughs) They spend so much time inside. Um, But, you know, much has changed over the years and over the centuries in Appalachia. And the granny witch tradition is now bringing like a resurgence. There was a book called The Foxfire Book in 1972, and it devoted a significant number of its pages to folk magic, right next to articles explaining how to build build a log cabin or slaughter pigs you're able to find instructions on how to plant your garden according to the phases of the moon and then a whole list of like home remedies so mm-hmm. it's called the first fox fire book um, the legacy of the granny witches is a combination of ancient spiritual traditions and practical natural remedies, which um, this book calls Affairs of Plain Living. So basically keeping it simple, right? Everything from an earache to kidney failure had a prescribed cure. Some of the cures would be familiar to anyone who has studied herbalism, such as wild peppermint tea for upset stomachs, and some that were more symbolic, such as um, how to stop a nosebleed, Um And that would be hang a pair of pot hooks around your neck. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows how that came about. But, um, you know, they kind of come full circle. Like much of the power and influence that these grannies held drew from their strength of unwavering beliefs that people were under her spell. Our folk healers mostly disappeared from the Appalachian Hills in the 20th century as we focused on um, pragmatic, <laughs> I don't know that word. Pragmatic? Yeah. Um, ingenuity, self-reliance, and, um, you know, people just adapting to the modern culture. Uh, modern herbalism, wife, midwifery, forgery, homesteading will always carry on with the spirit of the granny witches of Appalachia. Yeah. So interesting, you know. They live off the land. And heal off the land. Yeah. And probably live longer than all of us will. They do. You know, it'd be very interesting to go there. You know, I've always thought it would be really cool to like hike the Appalachian Trail. But then I see people who do do it and they get lost and they're starving. And they're <laughs> like, you know, didn't know what they bit off. Um, but. A know. Walk in the Woods by Bill Bryce. Yeah. Be a chance to 
listen to that on tape or listen to me listen on tape to get the audio book. <laughs> you were granny. Yeah. Get the audio book. That's actually a really funny story about him and his friend that walked the Appalachian Trail. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and the thing is about the Appalachians also is there's different legends that associate with the Appalachians, such as the Moon-Eyed people. So according to Cherokee legend long ago, um, before the Cherokee had moved into the Smokies, there was a race of small bearded white men who lived um, among the mountains. Now, according to an author named Julia Montgomery Street, the tale of this mysterious race is um, displayed in the Cherokee County Historical Museum. The uh, men, quote, possessed the land from the Little Tennessee River to Kentucky. Now, it was a line of fortification from one end of their domain to the other. The men who lived in round log cabins had large blue eyes and fair white skin. They were sun blind during the day, emerging from their homes only at night to hunt fish, wage war, or build their um, forts or huts or log cabins. Um, because they could only see in the dark, the Cherokee called the mem- called them the moon-eyed people. Some believe they were descendants of a small group of Welshmen who came to America long before the Spanish settled around the Smoky Mountain area in 1170. Now, the legend goes that the Moonite people eventually abandoned their home or were driven from it and traveled west never to be seen again. Now, there was a director of the Cherokee County Historical Museum in Murphy, North Carolina named Wanda Scallop. The museum is home to a statue that was found in the confluence of the Valley and Hiawassee Rivers in the early 1800s. The Soap Stone (laughs) statue is 37 inches tall and weighs 300 pounds, and it's believed to be a depiction of the Moonine people. Hmm. Now, everybody has their own opinions about the statue, and the statue depicts twins so they're short like the moon-eyed people with two round flat faces some believe the statue represents two rivers and the other believes it's a man and a woman when archaeologists came to and looked at it the statue uh, they said they never seen anything to compare it to and the run one reason is because um they're standing not sitting or kneeling so they think it might even be um, pre-Cherokee times, which is a long time ago, right? Whether a small blue-eyed race of sun-blind white men once inhabited the Blue Ridge long before the Europeans are known to have discovered America, but the legend really continues on. But who's to say there wasn't, you know, people traveling and, and discovering new lands, you know, well earlier than... Native Americans. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, look at... Migrated in. Look at the history of the giants. They say that the giants build the mounds because a lot of the Native Americans say, no, that those mounds were there before. Mm-hmm. It was the pre-people, they called them. And, you know, it's... Mm-hmm. So there's all kinds of legends. And anytime there is a, you know, a, a different type of being or race, there's all of these possibility. It was just a small subset and they... You know, maybe they traveled into land where people didn't understand them or thought they were 
some kind of invaders and they could have just been completely wiped out. Yeah. Right. We just, we don't know unless we had some kind of like this statue an archeological find written record, which maybe they would or wouldn't have in the 1100s, but very interesting. Yeah. And you know, we've heard many stories of people who are from Kentucky in the holler <laughs> talk about, the mountains having little green men or little yeah. mm-hmm. little tiny people who live there that come out at night. Now, sometimes around the, you know, legends of caves oh, yeah. or coal mines or mines. And then other times just saying, I grew up there and, and we saw them. Yeah. They had little tiny lanterns. I'm like, they're gnomes. They're gnomes. You know what? <laughs> There's a one called the Limp of Pity Pat Holler. Okay. Mm-hmm. Shipley Holler Road is in Sal Creek, Tennessee, where they have been many variations of a common haunting. These stories go back 150 years and are mentioned in several local books, including Ghost of the Southern Tennessee Valley by Georgina Katarski. The ghosts or creatures are referenced as Pity Pat, and locals call this area Pity Pat Holler. So whether the Pity Pat is a ghost child or ghost children or creatures, it varies depending on the source. In 1775, a female settler and her four children were crossing a bridge on their way home, and it was a normal night. She was going in a horse and carriage, so she was riding, you know, in a buggy-type carriage thing, when suddenly they heard pity-pat, pity-pat, and a beast approximately the size of a cat ran out on its hind legs, so it was actually like bipedal, like a tiny little Bigfoot in front of the horse, which made the horse rear up and the carriage actually fell off the bridge into the water and this beast is commonly referred to as an imp of course the legend you know goes different ways and some very say that the woman died right away the other versions have her staying alive just long enough to see the beast carry off her children to uh devour them so it's basically a little bigfoot that eats kids Some sightings were reported of a beast jumping in front of buggies and few of the beasts charging motor vehicles when they came around. It's not uncommon to witness these on the third Sunday of every fourth month, apparently at 12.30 a.m. But the reason why they call it the pity pat is because that's the sound their feet make when they run. So they gave it that name. So an imp is actually a European mythological being similar like a fairy or a demon. And they're frequently described in folklore or superstition. And they think that the term comes from yimp, which is spelled Y-M-P-E. That term is used to describe like a young grafted tree. So what I'm getting out of this is these imps are fairy-type beings that come from trees, basically, or live in the trees. They're often described more troublesome or mischievous. 
more than, you know, like serious threatening or dangerous, although they do cause mischief, which can cause problems like in the story of the, the lady that was knocked off the buggy into the water and actually died. So they're actually also described as being little devils. That's because they're awfully small in stature and they also have horns. But all the depictions I've seen of them, the horns more look like deer antlers. So originally from the Germanic, which is German folklore, the imp was a small or lesser demon. Unlike the Christian faith and stories of demons, these legends were not necessarily always evil. Imps were, like I said, mischievous rather than evil. They try not to, to, you know, harm, but they do in some of their acts. Now, if you look up pictures of like the London Cathedral in London, England, there's actual imps in the stonework of the cathedral. Other descriptions, you know, say that they're unattractive. Their behavior is disturbing, wild, unconjurable. You know, sort of like fairies, and in some cultures, consider them as like the same as fairies, but just looking a little different, or depending on the culture that you come from. They've also been known to be immortal, but there are stories of imps being harmed by certain weapons or enchantments, like enchantments to keep keep them out of people's homes. Imps were also portrayed as lonely little creatures that search out human attention using jokes, pranks to attract human friendship. But this often backfires when the people become annoyed at the imps and usually drive them away. But in this case, the reason why they call it the pity pat is because that's the actual sound that they hear and they say it's the pity pat of little children's feet because they're such small little creatures that they look like little children. And... In some cases, they say, like I said earlier, that they eat the children, which I don't know. Okay. So there's one more legend, and it's called the Flatwoods Monster. Now, some of you guys have been familiar with this. It's one of the more um, famous cryptids, legends, lore um, type thing. But in the late days of summer, and this was in 1952, two brothers named Edward and Fred Mays lived in Flatwoods, Virginia, or I'm sorry, West Virginia. Um, they rushed home to tell their mother, um, Kathleen May, that they had seen something unexplainable. Now, they were out playing football at the playground of the Flatwood School, and they witnessed a bright UFO streaking across the, lie, uh, uh, across the sky and the land of the local farmer. So they were, like, naturally intrigued, right? So they go, and um, May her sons, and some local boys, they headed out to the farm. Now, it was nearing dusk, and when they saw the unidentified object in the woods, they saw an odd-shaped thing. This is a quote. It was glowing red with smoke and steam coming off of it. The um, executive director of the Braxton County CBB and curator of the Flatwood Monsters Museum was quoted as telling this story. Now, there was another person, a 17-year-old named Eugene Lemon. He was a National Guardsman who also tagged along on that adventure. And he saw a pulsating light, and when he pointed his flashlight tor towards it, 
It revealed a pair of bright eyes in the tree. Now, this monster was, quote, 10-foot monster with red, blood red face and a green body that seemed to glow. The monster hissed at them and then floated towards the group, causing Lemon to scream and drop his flashlight. Now, according to the newspaper reports, several of the parties fainted um, <laughs> and vomited for several hours after they returned to town. That kind of sounds like radiation poisoning, yeah. right? Now, the Mrs. May was quoted as saying the monster looked worse than Frankenstein. And when the group had turned around to run down the hill, um, they ran right to the local sheriff and reported it. And several hours later... Men um, armed with shotguns returned to the scene with the kid named Lemon, last name Lemon, um, where they were met with a horrible smell. They said they saw slight heat waves in the air, but they didn't find much more than that. And what they did find uh, was gathered and sent to Washington, D.C. and never seen again. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's just really interesting that, again, this whole wave of seeing UFOs in the 1950s interesting you know that in this whole area of Appalachia that it's twisty mountains there's immense forest thousands and thousands yeah. of miles so again this is a very secretive area you have UFO activities we've heard many 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 reports of Bigfoot little people sightings so elementals are a big thing there um, a lot of folklore a lot of superstition. A lot of superstition. Very yeah. superstitious mm-hmm. area. Um, but fascinating as well. And and just probably things we don't even, we don't know about. Things you can't imagine. They keep local. Yeah. They, they don't like outsiders. No, they don't. I mean, look at the Hellier documentary when mm-hmm. they went in search of that information, how the people were very wary of why are yeah. you filming? Why are you here? Mm-hmm. Um and then, you know, that evidence that they, they presented was, you know, pretty interesting. Especially if you remember in the first season when they're sitting in the cabin and then there was like all that noise and activity outside and they couldn't figure out what it was. Mm-hmm. It was like something was coming right up to the tree line yeah. and stopping. It was scary. Almost like a Bigfoot. But Almost. they were searching for little mm-hmm. creatures. Yeah. Whether they're Tommyknockers or whatever they're or called. Gremlins or... Mm-hmm. Elementals, fairies is a big thing there too. Yes. Gnomes and fairies. So we're gonna be heading down to Huntsville, Tennessee to see Miranda's jail. So Yeah, that, Scott County Jail, everybody. Mm-hmm. It's a new place to investigate. Gotta go. Yeah. Get your tickets. So being our three hundredth show, we wanna <laughs> <laughs> good stuff. Show you some behind the scenes stuff, <laughs> some of the bloopers from last year or so and um i just made a bunch of them in this episode trying to read (laughs) i kept screwing it up but anyhow here are some bloopers from days gone by let me play these for you know the true understanding oh okay (laughs) god we suck we suck (laughs) where's it at (laughs) <laughs> I thought you had it. Okay, here we go. Okay. Sorry. Jesus, 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 take the wheel. 
I don't know where or when those were, but that happens all the time where I'm trying to find something. I know I had it wrote down. Yeah, that's funny because I I think that was around the time after I had COVID. I had such bad COVID brain. Like I literally would just be staring at Joe like I I have a thought in my brain, but it would like not come from my brain into my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> it's not very good when you're podcasting. <laughs> so let's play a little more of these. Okay. Angels exist at. Oh, sorry, I shouldn't have went into that yet. <laughs> Do you want to go back to the hierarchy and stay on that? Yeah, let's stay on that. Okay, sorry. Okay, Okay, so let me go back here. Okay. I won't answer. Okay. Let's start the whole thing over. Just start the whole thing over. Yeah. (laughs) They have the moody. (laughs) They have the duty of Jan Baker runs the show, I guess. She runs the place. Mm Mm-hmm. And she's awesome, but she actually had what? It's Jane. Oh. You said Jan. Ah, oh, crap. Start over. And Jan Baker actually runs nope, it. No, Jane. I said Jan. Goat sucker. Chupa being goat, right? No. Chupar to suck. Cabra goat. Most of the fork, well, for, fork lore, that is hard to say. I don't know why. Chupacabra and then folklore. Okay. Um. <laughs> so there's some of them. We've had so many. Um. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Like, it's so funny. Joe has his um, blind down tonight. Why we're Because last week we were taping the podcast. I got so distracted by the cats in his backyard. They were like staring at me. Yeah. And like, all of a sudden I look up and I have these two eyes staring at me. I'm like, there's a cat right in the middle of our podcast. <laughs> Let me play you some more bloopers from a few years ago or for, <laughs> for this year. And our good friend, Andy. <laughs> Blooper reel. Oh, oh <laughs> Take five. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Here it goes. I'm turning red. <laughs> That's from the heat. Yeah. Or not scientists. Um, what do you call the people that go places and look for things? Mm. No. Like cave people or? No. (laughs) You know, the people that go places to research things? Researchers? No. Oh, hell, what's it called? I'm not sure where you go. Picture the hat on the folded up and going looking at, looking for ancient places and stuff. Oh. I don't know. Curators? No. I don't know. There were woodcuts found in, like, of there were woodcuts found. We are going to be talking to Alex Matsu. Matsuo. Matsuo. We'll do that again. Yeah. We're going to be talking with author and actor Alex Matsuo. Alex. Take three. Just like acting. <laughs> <laughs> Blooper reel. Yeah. In 1928, the, I got to say this right, Carturn, Carter. 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 Coming to you from the Toledo. Oh, my God. I'm leaving. (laughs) Show's over. I quit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, snap. (laughs) All right. Butler, Pennsylvania. I know. Paranormal convention. We do so many of these. Or you just say welcome to the show. (laughs) 
here at Butler, Pennsylvania. This is the second installment of the Butler, Pennsylvania Paranormal Convention. And we have a few guests lined up to, for you to listen to today. And this is really going bad. <laughs> no, I'm like, we're singing right uh-huh. now. This is bad. Okay, start over. Welcome to the parent. <laughs> you can just record it when you get back. <laughs> well, I want the background noise. <laughs> oh, okay, that's true. That's yeah. true. <laughs> All right, here we go. <laughs> So, yeah, even live, we screw stuff <laughs> up so bad. <laughs> the joys of podcasting, oh, right? You can always edit. That's true. And, you know, the problem, though, like when we do a live interview, it's hard to edit, but and then the guest <laughs> starts laughing and we start laughing. and yeah. But that's part of it, you know, and you want to see the behind-the-scenes stuff a lot come out to an event where we're at because we record at the events. Yep. You want to be on the show, come right up to the table and tell us your story. Yeah, and then, you know, if you're at Michigan Paracon, it's just a given that Dave Schrader will scream and yell across the room uh, while you're trying to interview somebody. And We're, yeah. we're doing an interview, <laughs> and Dave Schrader is yelling, and when you're trying to record a podcast and some jerk keeps yelling out, I'm like, shut up, Schaefer. Shut up, Schaefer. Shut up, shut up. I was so tempted. He was doing his show later that night. I was so tempted, but I'm like, no, I'm not going to his level. I am not going to the Schaefer level. So much fun. So, guys, a couple of things coming up. Yeah. We are going to be at the Ohio State Reformatory Parasicon in May and, of course, Michigan Paracon in August. So, you know, set your calendars. But we're going to probably pop into a couple other conferences between there. We'll let you guys know. We'll definitely post that on our website and on our Facebook page. And yeah. as always, you know, if you have some really good ghost tales to tell, uh, send us a DM if you want mm-hmm. to be on the show. If you're into Bigfoot, we're going to be in... July, we're going to be in Michigan, in Chelsea, Chelsea, Michigan, there goes a blooper, for the Michigan Bigfoot Conference. It's going to be some great speakers in that there, but come out to Chelsea and uh, get on our show. Just go up on our website. You'll see under the events tab, we have everything listed that we're going to be doing. Also, while you're on the website, on the front page, right below the page, (laughs) The blooper, uh, just before, just below the play button, you'll see a link for Jen's Poshmark page, and she's got some great sales going on. I do. I got some new stuff, some spooky, cool stuff. So, anyways, thanks, everybody, for sticking with us for uh, through 300 weeks. 300 weeks. Of madness, insanity, and podcasting. Not repeating one show. No. Nope. I think we did repeat well, the, to- the topic of couple of times but 300 all original shows always new and fresh information for your listening pleasure yes but anyways like we do let's leave with some dead in five awesome guys tripping on the inside all right let's start another 300 joe all right goodbye everyone No!